Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And uh, Lady Hyde has been picked up for a uh, picked up by a fourth channel um, to de- to be debuting soon, streaming wise. Um, it's already been picked up and delivered to Amazon Prime, uh, to be a station called Momitu. That's M O M E T U. And uh, a fourth one just picked us up, um, Atomic Home Video, which is set to debut November 15th on your streaming platform. So yeah, through Amazon Prime, Tubi, Momi2, and Atomic Home Video should appeal to everybody. So I think we're covered worldwide. So yeah, be on the lookout. Lady Hyde will be playing streaming free for all of you worldwide. So please support the film. And watch it numerous times, and uh, comment, share, and let it be a sensation. So that would be appreciated immensely. So this week we are on film 111 on this episode 111. And film 111 from Jess Franco, he's already had 111 films at this time, goes back to the source of Emmanuel, which... I'm in the midst of editing Emmanuel in Sin City, so it's a good time for me to watch this. Um, but this is a different kind of Emmanuel film. This is titled The Inconfessible Orgies of Emmanuel. That's the USA slash UK DVD title. Of course, once again, we get all formation from Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower. Uh, this is Spain, 1982 Productions, once again in the Golden Films International period. Uh, the original theatrical title in Country of Origin, A Las Orgias Inconfesibles de Emmanuel. That's a Spanish title. The alternative titles, uh, UK title, uh, was titled Emmanuel Exposed. Uh, unconfirmed titles, U.S., video was under Emmanuel's Secret Orgies and um, Emmanuel's Wicked Orgies possibly an illegal marketed DVD I don't know what's wicked about him uh, theatrical distributor of course uh, Lauren Films and the production company was Golden Films timeline shooting on this was circa spring 1982 played uh, got its a legal number, May 17th of 82. Played Barcelona, November 29th of 82. Played Seville, December 18th of 1982. Played Madrid, March 14th of 1983. And then later, it played in Mercia in October 24th, 1983. Uh, theatrical running time, Spain, 86 minutes. The DVD running time, the one I watched, uh, the U.S. Severin NTSC DVD is 86 minutes, 28 seconds. Writer-director, as always, Jess Franco, but this time billed as Clifford Brown, named after the famed jazz musician that he always dug. Uh, Director of photography, Juan Solar Cozar. The camera assistant, and also plays the rapist wearing the sunglasses, uh, Angel Oradales. 
Makeup by Awana Adila Morena. Music Daniel J. White. Build as Pablo Villa. Villa. Uh, and then our song Les Motifs is by Rebecca White. And music recording Eurosonic out of Madrid. And let's see. Um, uncredited camera operator Jess Franco, of course. That's why it's so quick. Uh, editor Jess Franco. Production manager Antonio Mayans. Executive producers Stella Larraga and Emilio Larraga, which is Golden Films. Uh, so, yeah, so once again, Franco is the writer on this film. He's the writer the director, the camera operator, and the editor. That's the four keys. That's what I do myself, so that's the way you got to do it. All right, cast on this. Muriel Montas, Montase as Vicky Adams, which is a alias used by many gals, including uh, the one on this cover here of the book. That's Vicky Adams, and that's uh, was a voodoo passion. Uh, there's a few gals using Vicky Adams, but here's Muriel Montas. And I think she used Vicky Adams in uh, Sexual Apparition Ice. Let's see if she uses it in that. It just says uh, Muriel Montas, but I don't see Vicky Adams. Okay, hmm. who knows? Anyway, so yeah, she's Vicky Adams building this and plays Emmanuel, originally Anne Marie, because you can tell this is a retitled deal. Antonio Mayans as Robert Foster plays Andreas. Um, Carmen Carrion plays Carmen. Ashun Calero as Ida Ballin. <laughs> wow, Ida Ballin. That was like, that's so fucking funny. A total porn joke name. Uh, as Maria. <laughs> Ida Ballin. I go, that's so fucking funny. So juvenile. Uh, Antonio Raballo once again returns. He's in quite a few of these in a row here. In, as Tony Skios. And here he's the Marquis de Altuna, Antonio Jaime Morlinda de los Erebros. <laughs> or his friends know him as Tony. And of course, Angel Lardale is the rapist wearing sunglasses. And then there's the other rapist that in the jeans. We, I don't know his name. Um, synopsis, I'm going to go over that as we do the film uh, review. I'm going to do the, this is a solo review, by the way, that I do uh, by myself. Because I'm getting ready to do a convention coming up here in a few days, and editing Emmanuel, and uh, working, and uh, also doing wrestling practices. So yeah, pretty busy. So just wanted to knock this one out here and stay on track. Uh, production notes. Um, also sent off together for the deposit numbers were Inconfessible Orgies of Emmanuel and its immediate successor, El Hotel de la Luegues. Uh, review by Stephen Thrower. Um, distinctly lacking when it comes to orgies, inconfessible or otherwise, this is at first glance a light, easy-to-digest movie, beautifully photographed, beautifully photographed in picturesque locations. However, there's a subtle thread of blackness running within which stays in the mind afterwards. It may seem initially to lack the delirium for which Franco is celebrated, offering softcore sex with little of the usual madness or depravity, but as the story drifts along, we find ourselves in the company of a highly disagreeable narrator whose views cast uncomfortable shadows over the film's sunny frolics. Unfortunately, we also encounter Franco here at his most unyielding two-dimensional when it comes to character, resulting in some vital scenes lacking emotional detail. Uh, 
you know, which I talk about later in my review. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did the review first, and now I'm going back and doing the beginning, uh, reading the text and stuff, because I kind of didn't want to know about this film. I kind of wanted to watch it uh, clean without doing the um, doing the um, reading and uh, learning beforehand. Uh, let's see. Doing the research, I should say. Um, the film's surface attractions are undeniable. As usual with Franco, the architectural choices are striking and unusual. The modernistic abode of the Marquise is particularly impressive. Yeah, I forgot to mention that in my review. That's a really amazing location. It's interior as well in this film. It's huge picture windows offering stunning views across unpopulated Spanish countryside, while the interior is a smorgasbord of trendy 1970s furniture and chic interior stonework. But is there anything else going on besides the lovely visuals? Struggling at first to find purchase on the film's wipe-clean surface is a sustained satire on the Spanish male's self-image as lower extraordinaire. Franco's script suggests that traditional machismo is a blend of misogyny and cynicism, something the Marquis voiceover lets slip repeatedly. Yeah, that's why I mentioned that. Very misogynistic in this film. Um, Let's see. He says, I would like to give her a lesson to drive her mad in the way that we, the responsible men in Spain, know how to do it, and then despise her. Unlike, say, the Marquis de Sade, the Marquis de Altuna is an old-fashioned prude when it comes to sexual variety. Women with women, I try to adapt to these changes, to be liberal about it. But there are certain things that make me sick. It's fair to say that, well, it's funny, I've known a few guys like that, which just blows my mind. Uh, it's fair to say that while a woman occupies the title role, the Marquis is the real subject of this film, and he is really is a piece of work. (laughs) His oafish and ineffectual one-minute sex scene with Emmanuel is bad enough, but his final speech in which he states that he prefers his dog to his wife because at least the dog is a pedigree breed reveals that this peeping Tom who hates perverts, this super lover who can only hump for a minute before climaxing, this man of alleged refinement who treats women as trash is as much of a monster as the more bloodthirsty creations elsewhere in Franco's catalog. Franco draws this portrait of a privileged creep, then metaphorically speaking, screws it up and throws it away. As Andreas says in the Waxwork Museum, when his wife points out that their tryst is being observed by a waxwork of Dracula, it's a long time since I cared about the opinion of monsters. They're all very hypocritical. Yeah, when I watched it, I took a picture of that scene, because that dialogue, I figured, meant something important. That was really, really cool. Yeah, that's basically the, the idea of the film. So far, so good, but despite the satirical attack on masculinity, the inconfessible orgies of Emmanuel is hardly a feminist work. Following on from the casual depiction of rape in in, uh, Sicilia, um, Franco once again appears stubbornly disinterested in the after-effects of sexual violence. The scene in which Emmanuel is raped, which really ought to have been pivotal to the drama, is both strikingly composed and troublingly light in its impact on the rest of the narrative. Attacked by two unkempt louts in the baking noonday heat, one heroine is stretched, or our heroine is stretched out and violated on a large rock like some primitive offering to a brutal sun god. 
Once the rapists have left, he sl- she slowly regains her composure and gets dressed, healing, heading for the bar where she's arranged to meet her husband. She breaks down and sobs when she finds it closed. Uh, bah, 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 bah. So what does make the sequence of without the benefit? Yeah, because basically then she has sex with the Marquis the next day. So he's trying to say without the benefit of a good script, it seems often callous or frivolous of Franco to depict a woman so undamaged by sexual assault that she blithely makes out with a virtual stranger the following day. One assumes that Emmanuel has decided not to let the attack compromise her adherence to the principle of free love, although whether such a pragmatic response is truly possible the day after being raped is highly questionable. Paul Verhoeven's 2016 masterpiece L explores this very idea, but it brings to the table a commitment to subtle psychological detail, utterly alien to Franco. Brilliantly acted and probingly scripted, L sends up a similarly outraged scene but decides so far most plausible. Frank, on the other hand, offers us a couple of long shots of the heroine sunbathing, followed by a scene of her looking bored during sex with the Marquis. It's asking a lot for us to read these images as an embellic of defiance and determination. His Franco's habitual preference for psychological flatness means that any sense of Emmanuel's emotional turmoil or ineffectual resilience can only be speculated attributed and while I don't mind filling in a few gaps for myself it's best to have at least some faint guidelines um, let's see I'm go through the whole story uh, let's see just gonna go over all that um, okay uh yeah, I ain't gonna go through us too much to go through there. Okay, so music. Um, actually, let me just finish, read the last paragraph here. Um, quite at odds with Franco's claim that Emmanuel embraces freedom, it seems to me far more evident that the bourgeois sexual norms are simply falling back into place. Given that we have only have two lines of dialogue to clarify any of this, however, the characters and their true feelings remain frustratingly opaque. Consequently, the ending is a bit of a damp squib, although the Marquis's repugnant closing narration, in which he declares a preference for pedigree dogs over women, goes some way towards compensating for the lack of on-screen fireworks. Music. The, ta- the This time, Love in Blue, by Daniel White, previously heard in Bolas Negras, Lango de Cuero, Black Boots, Leather Whip, uh, takes pole position during the credits. As for the rest, are the disco monks here? Of course. A jazz version of La Vie Est Un Marade? Naturally. An ominous Spanish guitar number? You bet. Alright, locations. Uh, much of the film takes place in and around the rocky coves and coastal promenatories close to the Spanish coastal resort of Aguila. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about that later in the review. Um... And then the connections, I'm going to go ahead and talk about that later, too. How it's kind of a sequel to uh, Abrazone's Sexo de Una Mujer Casada. Or is on DVD, or DVD and Blu-ray in the United States as Cecilia. C-E-C-I-L-I-A. And that's available through Blue Underground. So if you like this film, Inconfessible Orgies of Emmanuel, get Cecilia. It's the same actress and the same the same two leads, uh, Muriel Montross and Antonio Mayan, since basically the same story. So, uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, let me go past all the manuals. Um, okay. Um, 
Apparently, the title of this outing was chosen by the producers, reflecting the continued international box office pool of the word Emmanuel. This was the second time a Franco film had been tagged misleadingly with the Emmanuel brand name, the first instance being De Frassons sur le Pu, 1973, which was retitled Tender and Perverse Emmanuel. There, the producer, Marius Lesseur, followed the example of Italian sleaze maestro Jody Amato by removing a letter M from Emmanuel, E double M, to avoid prosecution. However, La Orgias Inconfessibles de Emmanuel, E double M A N U E L L E, doesn't bother with this precautionary move, no doubt, because the Golden Films titles were so rarely sold abroad. Problematica. According to the IMDb, a U.S. video catalog once listed this film as Emmanuel Forever. However, as I've been unable to find this source, I have my doubts. There is a 1993 French TV film called Eternale Emmanuel, directed by Francis Leroy, so perhaps the video catalog entry was a translation of this. Yeah, I've also heard Emmanuel Forever. I didn't know that that was this film. I've heard that title before, so I'm curious. That's just probably one of the fake ones floating around. So, All right, so um, that's the information and uh, some of the backstory and history of the inconfessible orgies of Emmanuel. Um, hang out past the bumper music, and I will return with my review of the inconfessible orgies of Emmanuel and tell you what I thought about it. Um, so yeah, hang out past the bumper and, uh, I'll be back. Buenas noches, maha. All right, I am back with episode 111, film 111, The Inconfessible Orgies of Emmanuel. So, um, I watched the Severin DVD, which was put out in 2007. Uh, it still has not come out on Blu-ray in the United States. Hopefully it will be upgraded soon. Um... This is, uh, let's see, yeah, 2007, and uh, this is from 1982, of course, uh, 86 minutes, um, English and Spanish. I watched the original Spanish with English subtitles. Uh, it's not rated. Um, it's got a lot of sexual content, but less than the last film, um, House of Lost Women, that's for sure. So, less crotch shots in this, but still a lot of sexual content. Um this is almost an uh flat in the book Flowers of Perversion, Volume Two. Um he, Stephen Thor talks about it. This is almost basically a sequel to um um Cecilia. Um also is known as uh let's see, Sexual Apparitions of a Housewife. Aberration Aberration Aberrationones Sexuales de una Demorha Casada. Um, cause it's got the same two leads in it. Um, let's see, I'm kind of vamping here until I can find it. Uh, do, 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 let's see. Okay. So, yeah, it's, um, 
also sent off together for this. Okay, so yeah, uh, this is pretty much so. Stephen Thoreau says this is pretty much a direct sequel to Aborigines Sexuality de Una de Mejer Casada. Uh, once again, stars Mariel Montas and Antonio Mayans as Emmanuel and Andreas, even though it's Cecilia in the retitled one. Uh, a husband and wife with seemingly endless sexual problems. Here we meet them on their second honeymoon, which the voiceover tells us they're undertaken in order to patch up their struggling relationship. Uh, rather like Ash and Evil Dead 2, however, the couple find themselves sucked into the same horrendous situations with seemingly no useful awareness of what went before. Once again, Emmanuel gets steaming drunk, loses her self-control in a bar, climbs on stage and puts on an impromptu sex show this time with another woman and humiliates her jealous husband and once again she's then raped by some passing hoodlums what's striking however are the changes to the scenario instead of rape opening up Emmanuel to the joys of rough sex with strange men this time she gets no pleasure from what's happening although it doesn't prevent the men from claiming she's enjoying it also, the rape is not a direct response to Emmanuel's drunken performance at the bar. Perhaps the revised storyline was Franco's way of correcting what he felt was wrong with Aberystwyth. Um, so yeah, that's why I was going to read that little part, which I usually don't do. But yeah, that was basically a good thing with that. Um, I like this film. Um, it's kind of funny in the beginning. Uh, I'll go over that when we get to it. Um, it's very light. It's also reminded me of. Um, the film had a lot of the same settings of um uh let's see um um of um confessions of an exhibitionist uh that one reminded me a lot of that as well with some of the same locations uh where maria lived her outdoor locations uh they, they shot that with lena and uh the other gal and also this film has no lena in it either which uh, same as Cecilia, which is funny. Um, or um, actually, no, I'm sorry. Lena is in Cecilia. Never mind. But yeah, she's not the lead. But so this film opens on credits over a painting, um, and uh, Franco's billed as Clifford Brown in this one. So yeah, we see that in the credits, directed by Clifford Brown. Um, then it sets to a beautiful panoramic view of like mountains and countryside. Uh, let me see where at location this was at. This was. Um, um, Spanish coastal resort of Aguilas in the Providence town of Murca, M-U-R-C-I-A, or Murcia, I think it's Murca. Uh, the rocky outcrop on which Emmanuel is raped is also visible in the opening beach scene of La Casa de la Morajes Paradas, uh, House of Lost Women, in which was shot with me before. The Spanish town where the Marquis takes his strolls is Moacar. A municipality situated in Almeria. That area, uh, it's like a white kind of a outdoor area. You've seen that in probably at least six Franco films. I was trying to remember all the ones that they I remembered it in, but I think it's in one of the Frankenstein films, and uh, it's in. I've seen Lena walk through there a few times. So, um, and he shot it. He used to shoot it way back when. Um, let's see. Uh, an elevated village of white painted houses clustered together on a mountainside. Uh, yeah, that's um, Almeria. Uh, Mojacar has been a settlement for many centuries and is one of the most stunningly beautiful locations in Franco's work. 
Some scenes were filmed at the London Wax Museum in Torremolinos, located on the Catarera de Cadiz. An offshoot of Madame Tussauds, opened in 1972, it is sadly no longer in business, which takes us to this scene. After the beautiful panoramic view, we see a uh, voiceover of Tony. He's uh, basically... Um, Tony is also known as this Ushong film. Uh, Tony is also known uh, Tony Skios, but he's uh, the Marquis de Altuna, Antonio Jaime Moraldu de la Ebranos, but he's known to his friends as Tony. So yeah, he's basically uh, the male voiceover in the beginning. You see him wandering. He's kind of talking about how Emmanuel uh, infiltrated his mind, how he's obsessed with her and had this thing. And it basically goes to the story and it ends full circle with him kind of bringing the tale to a close and the story to a close. So it does begin and end really cool like that, uh, which he was doing at this time quite a bit. It seems like a lot of the full circle with a lot of his stories at this time. It's like a, uh, a theme. Um, but yeah, so we get a uh, scene where he describes Emmanuel and her husband coming to the area for a honeymoon uh, vacation, you know, a second honeymoon vacation to fix their marriage. And then we see them going to a wax museum, um, Emmanuel and her husband, Andreas, which is played by Antonio Mayans. And uh, they go to the wax museum and we see like uh, wax figures of, um, and they describe them all. Um, um, you have um, Don Quixote in the beginning, and you have a couple other ones, and you have Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart, Liza Minnelli, uh, um, uh, Marlena Dietrich, uh, then you have Dracula, the uh, Phantom of the Opera, and John Wayne, and uh, a couple other Hollywood ones. They mix through. Oh, uh, uh, King Kong was really cool, and but it's pretty funny. So they get all excited, and they have sex, which is awesome. They have sex on the wax museum floor. He gets all turned on. And he pulls his pants or pulls her clothes off and lays her down on this like marble floor. And Antonio Wayne's climbs on top of her, starts fucking her. And then she sees John Wayne's wax statue staring at her, and Liza Minnelli and everybody, and uh, Humphrey Bogart. And it's pretty funny. And, and uh, Dracula's watching them, she says. But that was like my favorite my favorite scene in the whole movie is when they're having sex at the wax museum because it's just so stupid. And I just smiling talking about it because it's dumb. Who, has, who decides to have sex in a wax museum? But. I would if I could, but yeah, you know. Anyways, so yeah, they do that. Um, there's some mirror shots, too, in the Wax Museum, which is funny. Uh, John Wayne statue, they comment and everything, and Humphrey Bogart and stuff, so that's a pretty funny scene. Uh, then they have the, a dance club scene where they all go to a dance club, and then we have some of the cheesy Franco music, the dancing monk, or the disco monks, and different variation on it, and other Franco music where these people are boogieing down in the club, and that's the same footage from, like, uh, like five or six films back was A Night of Open Sex and um, um, Oasis de la Tumba or no it was uh, yeah Oasis de la Tumba and uh, Confessions of Exhibitionist and uh, Black Boots and Leather Whips and uh, so you see all that footage of the people watching the stage show I think even before that I think let me see um, uh, I don't think it's Santa Macumba or Island of the Virgins or Linda yeah no it 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 had to be for uh, Night of Open Sex, I think, or, or uh, Confessions of Exhibition is on, because he has the same scenes where 
everybody's watching the one club and uh yes yeah, it's, it's night of open sex on so anyway so it's like five or six films back it's funny they keep using the scene of the crowd applauding and watching and uh this time you have this gal maria who i believe if lena was in the film she would play this role because she resembles lena she wears lena's uh gold uh zip-up bodysuit she wears lena's red tube top and green pants and has a hairstyle similar to lena in one scene uh, she, she smiles at the camera. She unzips this guy's pants, and she, she's totally got the Lena vibe. So she plays a uh, a stripper on scene, and she has this cool like rock couch thing, and this huge like cliff rock wall behind her. It's bizarre. It's, I, don't, I don't know where they filmed that. I don't think it's inside of a club. It looks like they just filmed it out on some monument or something. Just had her dancing there at this area, and then just cut back and forth to the club. Is my guess because that room was just amazing. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's like the rock formation, the crowd from Night of Open Sex and more films. And I wrote that down. Uh, the stripper was like a Lena lookalike Maria. Um, and it's funny, the beginning of her strip scene, she just takes off her, her dress that has this mesmerizing color and she's dancing. We quote unquote, see, uh, Emmanuel and her husband and, uh, that guy Tony again, and a woman that they say is a widow with lesbian tendencies. Her name was like Carmen, uh, uh, I believe. What is her name? Uh, actually, let me just look it up real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, Carmen. So uh, it's played by Carmen Carrion, who is in the, actually the last film as the stepmother, I believe. Let me just double check. Um, and have she seen this film before too, or not? Uh, I'm going to carry on. So she wasn't in Orloff, but I believe she was just in the last film. She was the stepmother in that. Um, yeah, Carmen Carry On. Yeah, she was the stepmother. And I know she goes on to start being in quite a few Franco films after this time. Um, probably quite almost every one. We'll see. But uh, yeah, in this one, she plays Carmen, and she's at this club watching this girl on stage. So Emmanuel, like I had mentioned earlier, gets worked up, goes on stage, and basically her and the girl have a 69 on stage. And the crowd's applauding and quoting things, calling him bitch and slut, and it's just so stupid. It's like some of the stuff was bizarre. The, some of the voiceover stuff people were yelling it just didn't make sense. Um, and then we have um, so yeah, and also too, I mentioned like that was seen similar to Linda, which uh, Thor mentioned. And also too, there he always has a Frank likes to have a drunk female date at a party scene that goes too far and the husband or boyfriend or spouse or somebody gets jealous and they take him away from the party. You see that in um, uh, uh, Necronomicon, uh, um, Succubus, and um, uh, the other side of the mirror and a, and a bunch of other films, but there's probably like seven or eight films where he has that scene. I always try to write that down when I notice it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like I said, the second strip scene is Emmanuel and the stripper on stage in 69, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the husband decides to leave the wife, and he's pissed off at what happens. Um, and uh, so then he... Uh, oh, yeah, so then he has sex with Maria, who's the dancer, and Emmanuel has sex with the woman, Carmen, who's the widow, I mentioned. Um, so then... Those two have sex with each other while it cuts back and forth between the two couples. Um, and uh, that man, Tony, comes in and watches Emmanuel with the woman, Carmen, and has a drink and gets excited and then leaves and they keep having sex. And uh, she finds out her husband left her and that her husband still le loves her and stuff. So 
Um, they, uh, oh yeah, so then they have this really cool, uh, I mentioned that, that when Andreas uh, has sex with Maria, uh, it's really good, good sexy scene with him, with her, and the shots of the outside with the mountains and the, the water and everything. It's really beautiful. Um, and the same location as the uh, exhibitionist film, film 107, um, uh, Diary, or was it a, um, uh, it's, um, uh, 107, uh, Confessions of an Exhibitionist, uh, it's that same location, it's a really, really, really good scene, so yeah, that was, uh, the scene with Andreas and Maria in this, and, um, then they find out, she finds out that, uh, he wants to get back with her, and he's gonna meet her at this bar, so she's on her way to the bar to meet him while he waits, and, uh, she's raped by these two men on the beach, um, and she falls, and she passes out after they leave, uh, after they get done raping her, they just leave her body there on this, like, rock area, and then she passes out, and then while the husband's waiting in the bar, and then, uh, oh, and then one of the guys, uh, is, um, one of the, actually, it's funny, one of the guys that plays the rapist with the sunglasses is Angel Oradales, and he's always the camera assistant in this film, so it's funny. So yeah, like Franco had the camera assistant play one of the rapists with the sunglasses. Um, the other rapist wears jeans, so I always mention jeans in all these Franco period films. So you have one rapist in the really bad Levi's, and the other one with the uh, assistant with the sunglasses. Um, and then Carmen waits with Andreas uh, at the bar there, and Emily wakes up in pain on the beach. And she wanders to the bar, but they had already left by that time after hours went by. And she's crying, and she's really upset. So then she goes to herself to go sunbathing nude. And Tony wanders in again, and he um, basically uh, talks to her, um, tries to get with her while uh, Andreas goes back to um, with the uh, dancer Maria. And she's putting her makeup on. And he's having a smoke, and it's a really good back and forth. He's got the really long ash hanging, and he's in a silhouette shot facing the outside. So he's got that phallic object in his mouth, and she's doing the lipstick with her hand in the mirror. And half the shot is mirror, and half the shot is the countryside. It's really beautiful. Really, Franco took uh, complete advantage of that location and filmed it really, really well. Um, and then we have, uh, so then finally, Emmanuel has sex with Tony, decides to have sex with him, and it's a really short scene, like, it's like, he has sex in 20 seconds, and just f- f- peters out, and she's yawning and looking around, and Maria comes in and catches him in the act, right after he comes, she's wearing the gold suit, like Lena wore, and, uh, she's, because we find out, Maria, who was the dancer on stage, she, her and Tony had a relationship, and she says, oh, you had sex with Emmanuel, it was her too, I caught you, even though she had sex with Emmanuel on stage. She says, well, now I'm not going to have sex with you anymore, and blah, 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 and leaves Tony and has the one up on him, even though he's so very chauvinist in this film and says, women have to do, well, this is Spain, women have to do what men say, and I'm the king, and this is how it is, and they go along with it and stuff. So finally, when she catches him, she finally has the upper hand on him to say, hey, motherfucker, even though she's done the same stuff, you know, but he got caught. So uh, then they end up making up, and Maria has sex with Tony. Um, and then she's wearing Lena's, uh, red, uh, tube top and green pants. And, uh, then they have sex while Emmanuel and her husband get worked up and have sex. And they both kind of watch each other as they're doing it. And, uh, it's basically just about the sex life of married couples and, and different couples that are 
being swingers or lose their flame or something happens and how they reignite the flame of their desire basically so yeah this film's all about desire um and then uh the maria gal looks at the camera and smiles like lena wood and zips tony's fly which is pretty funny and tony ends the film with a very misogynistic uh, voiceover about how maria's like his dog which is a bitch and she has to that's her place in in his household and all this stuff and it's really a bizarre like wow it's kind of a fucked up ending with the voiceover stuff and then just ends so but yeah this i mentioned emmanuel um has sex with maria uh, of course has, she has sex with her husband andreas she has sex with tony uh carmen of course the gal carmen and then of course the two rapists which isn't really sex but still forced intercourse so yeah and andreas has sex with emily and maria and maria has sex with tony and emmanuel and andreas so yeah a whole lot of sex going on with those three and carmen has sex with uh i guess uh tony no no carmen has sex with emmanuel and she doesn't have sex with andreas or emily no just just emmanuel so yeah emmanuel wins with the most partners so anyway but she's emmanuel so they talk about how emmanuel gets people's mind and all that stuff so this is an emmanuel film like his other emmanuel film more by name only, uh, even though he spells it right with the E double M A N U E double L E, like the Sylvia Christel version. Uh, so that was interesting. But uh, let me jump on the Franco list real quick. Why I am on this track here? Um, let's see. Number one, uh, Body of Water. Yeah, uh, we see Body of Water a couple times in the film. Not a lot. It doesn't mean much. It's just shown in the. Uh, panoramic landscape shots uh sailboat there's no sailboat but there is boats we see a big boat that's kind of docked there in the film uh number four palm trees yes uh number five jungle sound effects uh no number six chained up person no although we have the manual is held by the two rapists or held down by one rapist while the other one's having sex with her so i mean she's restrained but no physical chained up person Number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. Finally, yes, because last film didn't. Uh, we have Maria on stage, like I mentioned, with that big rock wall behind her. And then Emmanuel joining her on stage. So we have the two stage acts. Um, number eight, club scenes, dancing, bar. Yeah, we have the people I mentioned dancing at that same location. Dancing to the, obviously, uh, different music, which is funny. The Franco catalog music they're dancing to, like it's some hit song. And they talk about disco with the hip-hop dancers. It's interesting, too. They say hip-hop dancers, and this is 1982. And I didn't know the term hip-hop until years later, so that's interesting. Uh, that I wonder how far back that term goes to. Uh, let's see, number nine, jazz music. Yeah, there's some jazz in this uh, catalog of music, definitely in this film. Number ten, excessive zooms. Not excessive, but there's quite a few zooms in this film. Uh, zooming in and out. Remember, we'll see zooming in. Uh, 11, out-of-focus shots. No, everything looked nice and good here. Uh, 12, mirror shots. Yeah, there's some cool ones, like I mentioned, her putting on the makeup. Um, there's a scene when Emmanuel's smoking, looking outside the glass, and the glass reflects her face, and there's the mountains behind her. The, the landscape's really, really pretty. So there's some really nice mirror shots in this. Uh, 13, mind control theme. No, nobody's under hypnosis or mind control, but there is, like, obsession-type theme and, and being obsessed with Emmanuel, that type of that's about it. 14, magic tongue scenes. Well, you know, my my uh, mantra, no Lena, no magic tongue. So, 
Uh, 15, red light. No red light scenes. Uh, 16, sheepskin rug. Uh, a, no, but there's a, there's a cow hide on stage I caught uh, with uh, Maria. There's like this big cow hide with the the that type of fur, but whatever, <laughs> cow hide. Uh, and no masturbation with a C item. Although if she did masturbate on the, on the cow hide rug, that would be a C item as in cow hide. Uh, seven, so let me know. 17, uh, man, scientist and servant. No, it's not a horror film. Uh, 18, fish tank shots. No. 19, talking parrot, talking monkey, talking animal of any kind. No. Uh, number 20, in credits. Yes or no? Yes, it says Finn or finished. Or, yeah. Um, 21, handwritten notes, any kind of handwritten signs, really cheesy things like, uh, written on cardboard with felt pen or nothing. Nope, nothing like that. Uh, 22, spiral staircase shot. Yeah, there is, actually. Uh, we see Tony walking down a spiral staircase shot real fast um, in, uh, I believe, uh, Wanda's place. Uh, let's see, 23, inept cops. No, that doesn't apply here. No cops in this. 24, belly chains. Nope. 25, kinks. Well, we hear Tony saying that he likes being watched and that makes him sexually excited when he's not being watched. He's just impotent and just just a fucking total waste. Uh, 26, uh, great headboards. At first there wasn't that much. It's kind of hotel, but then there was a cool one in, um, uh, let's see, I, I found one. Where is it again? 26. Uh, yeah, there's a great headboard at Tony's. He has this really tall black headboard at his house um, when him and Emmanuel have sex, which is the worst sex scene, but the coolest headboards. It's funny. All the other sex scenes have shitty headboards, but the worst sex scene has the best headboard. Giant black headboard. Check it out. Uh, let's see. 27, fear or desire. Well, it would be desire. Everybody desires Emmanuel and the sex and everything that goes along with it. Uh, 28, acoustic guitar player. No, we don't see an acoustic guitar player, but there's a couple acoustic guitar tunes on in this film, so uh, partial uh, partial point. And funny, 29, is it reading a book scene? Not that I remember. Uh, I looked through, I didn't really catch it. So, um, yeah, that's the Franco list for this episode 111, film 111, The un- Inconfessible Orgies of Emmanuel. Uh, Las Orgias Inconfessibles de Emmanuel, uh, also known as Emmanuel Exposed, but you already heard that in the beginning, so, and once again, this was a Golden Films 1982 production, so, yeah, you know, um, I enjoyed it, it's kind of like a little morality, sexual, um, uh, spark, film, you know, where these couples kind of want to reignite their passion and they go through these swappings and see how their relationships are better or worse because of it. And then, uh, they go on and life is the way it is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, a territory that he's done before and, you know, and probably this age in his career, it's, he goes through these kind of, um, self-reflecting couples kind of, uh, film, you know, as a commentary on, on couples, kind of like how Woody Allen would do and stuff. So, yeah, this is kind of like his Woody Allen type of, you know, sexual relationship with couples type film that Bergman and those guys did. So, you know, if you like that type of stuff, then, yeah, I would like this. Um, it is sexual, but not crazy sexual. Um, I'd say out of one being the least, five being the most, 
and maybe the last film, House of Lost to Win, would be like a solid four. Um, this would be like maybe a two and a half or three. You know, it's it's sexual base, but it's not graphic or or too hardcore or lingers too long. There's some scenes, but nothing too. Um, I think, in my opinion, but you know, you could be the judge of that. But like I said, there is there's nudity. It's not rated, and there's sexual nature. So be advised. But of course, you're a Franco fan. You already know that. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I want to end this too by saying uh, once again, um, I want to end this by saying that my last film, Lady Hyde. Uh, well, not my last film ever, but the last film that I've put out, uh, Lady Hyde, uh, film fourteen from Desperate Visions Productions has been picked up, of course. Uh, I've told you that last time, in the beginning, as well. Um, and we are on uh, two new stations, M-O-M-E-T-U, Momitu, and uh, Atomic Home Video is the fourth channel, which should debut November 15th. Um, and then also Amazon Prime and Tubi are the two biggest ones. Um, they've all selected it. Uh, the first three have been delivered. Atomic's still waiting to be delivered to that. But um, now I'm just waiting for them to add it. So hopefully November or if by the time you listen, if not sooner, by the time you listen to this. So please look daily for Lady Hyde. That's L-A-D-Y-H-Y-D-E on Amazon Prime, Tubi, Momi2, and Atomic Home Video. And please watch and Give a thumbs up and watch and watch and watch. And uh, if you dig it, let me know. Uh, you always know how to get a hold of us. You can get a hold of us at Facebook, at the um, Franco Observer podcast page, at Instagram, at the Facebook, uh, Instagram, at the uh, Franco Observer podcast page. Um, you can get a hold of us at Franco Observer at yahoo.com. And I uh, always say, tell a friend, share the podcast, share the film, Lady Hyde. Uh, if you dig Jess Franco, you know it's my reimagining or my version of She Killed an Ecstasy and mixed with other stuff. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you like it. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff in there, I think, and some stuff Franco film fans would like. And I did use the Franco list when making this film. So I didn't use everything on the list, but I tried to cover as much as I could. So... All right, well, that should be this wrapping up, Film 111, Episode 111, The Inconfessible Orgies of Emmanuel. And speaking of that, I mean editing Emmanuel in Sin City at this time, so that should be out by the end of the year. Going to do some one more pickup shots, do some extra voiceover stuff, and... uh, we should be good. So it's nearing completion. Looking forward to that. So it's cool to do manual films and edit in a manual film at the same time. So, alrighty, guys, gals, and everybody in between. I love you all. Buenas noches. Arrivederci. And uh, adios, maha. <laughs>